You're listening to the Industry Alchemist podcast. The definition of alchemy is a seemingly magical process of transformation or creation. This podcast exists to hear the stories of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders doing just that in their industry. We hear about the journey of the brave souls carving a new path, moving their industry and our lives forward in a seemingly magical way. This episode is brought to you by OfficeChief.com. Office Chief exists to make moving your office easy and painless. Moving an office can be a big hassle. On top of running your company, you're thrown into having to figure out what to do. Hire space planners, furniture companies, movers, IT consultants, the list goes on. It only takes two minutes to create a profile and Office Chief gives you a step-by-step action plan and connects you with the top vendors in your market. Moving your office? Log on to officechief.com and make it easy. I'm your host, Matt Brower, co-founder and managing broker of Column Commercial Partners, helping companies save money on their real estate. I'm also founder and CEO of OfficeChief.com, an online resource for businesses moving their office or updating their space. So uh, welcome to the uh, Industry Alchemist podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Liz Georgie, the founder and CEO of Mightier, as well as uh, founder and CEO of Suna. Um, Liz, you've been uh, involved in, I've seen many different business and entrepreneurial events uh, in the you know two, three years that I've known you. You're a member of the Women Who Startup Foundation Board. Uh, you first got your uh, journalism degree, is that right? Yes, I went to school for broadcast journalism and I worked in TV for almost a decade before I started doing all this crazy business nonsense. <laughs> all the business video. Yeah, so um, I want to hear how you made that transition to kind of getting going from journalism. Obviously, video and production is a passion of yours. How did you go from uh, from that into wanting to work with businesses and kind of being a part of that community? Yeah, you know, it really started for me because I graduated right on the eve of our recession in 2008. So I graduated from college in 2007 and really struggled to find a a good job coming out of school. I worked on a lot of different contracts for different television programs, editing television, working as a field producer. And I really enjoyed the work. I loved the work a lot. But ultimately, when you are living as a, what I call a permanent freelancer, you have to get pretty smart about business really quickly because you are running a small business that is yourself. You're selling your own services. And I did that for about six years before I ended up working uh, for a startup called Apartment Therapy. Apartment Therapy is still a great business. It's a media publishing site that helps people who live in small spaces build homes that they love. And we were really actively growing the visual ecosystem of stories that we were telling at Apartment Therapy. And it was a startup and it was very exciting to be part of a startup. And it was very exciting to be part of the growth of a company from its very inception to its next phases. And I really fell in love with the process of invention. And I fell in love with the process of collaboration to solve new problems. And I think that journalism actually uniquely makes people great at entrepreneurship if you use those skills in the right way. So one of the things that I'm known for a lot now is asking a lot of questions and trying to find ways to use investigation and and questioning as a path towards discovery and what needs to be solved and what needs to be created. And so I eventually 
was recruited to work at an ad agency in Minneapolis and uh, went back to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I where I was from. And in that ad agency life, it was a fascinating thing because again, it was a pretty small business. It was a 20 person firm. It was relatively small. And I got to, to know the process of pitching a client, meeting a client, earning a client's business, working with the clients. And really that is when it was solidified for me of, oh, I could do this. I could do this it, just in the context of video and and just in the context of creating content for brands. And so it was really an evolution. And I think at the time it felt quite haphazard as I think many people feel about their own careers, but now it feels like a totally normal transition and a story that I'm quite proud of. Yeah. It seems like you have a pretty hard, pretty uh, vivid vision and you're driving toward it pretty quickly from what outsider looking in. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Everything always looks better from the outside, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I know that well. <laughs> um, so you founded uh, Mightier in 2014. What's um, uh, talk, to, talk about that name. Where did that name come from? Yeah. You know, I grew up in northern Minnesota. My grandfather was also an entrepreneur. He had a canoe outfitting business for 25 years in the Boundary Waters canoe area. And I grew up in the back of canoes and outside, and I just love stargazing. My grandfather taught me a lot about how to navigate on the water by using by using the sky. And I was making a spreadsheet of, okay, every single thing that I love to do. And one of the things that I love to do is uh, look for meteor showers and watch meteor showers. And every word that I thought described what I wanted my company to be like. And one of the words I wrote was mighty. And on the spreadsheet, these two words lined up, Mighty and Meteor. And I was like, well, what if I combine that into a word and we call it Mightier? And uh, that is literally how it was born, a spreadsheet happenstance. That is awesome. Like, <laughs> I can, like, I could see you in that, in the, in the boat or whatever back then, like looking up and, oh my God, that is so cool. It's a fun childhood. Let me tell you, I feel very... Uh, I feel very lucky, actually, as a grown person now to have grown up in a very rural area where you spend a lot of time outside and you spend a lot of time out in nature because it really helps ground me now that I live a much more uh, city life. Yeah. Are, do you find yourself um, kind of going back to that place mentally if, you know, when things are uh, feeling overwhelming or anything like that? What's your... Um, yeah, what what's your what are your practices around uh, maybe slowing down and and getting back centered on kind of what that vision was? Yeah, you know it's interesting. I was just saying to the team this morning, going outside for me is really like feeling my lungs fill with not just breath but re-energizing of my spirit. I love going outside. I start pretty much every single day with a run outside or a walk outside, no matter how cold or snowy it is, <laughs> because I just, I really think it's, it's good to put yourself into nature, even if it's just in your, your neighborhood in yeah. Denver. Uh, but I start almost every single day with a, a nice long walk or a nice long run. And then you know, I am, I'm pretty intentional about when I go on vacation, I try to go places where I'm going to be able to do a lot of hiking or I'm going to be able to spend a lot of time outside. And so even uh, last fall, when I went out to Italy with some friends, I made time to spend time at the vineyard, rural vineyards and be outside walking around rural vineyards. And I really think that there is something about 
getting back to basics that feels extremely re-inspiring for me. Mm. And the further, one of my biggest observations that I always have with my team is the further you get away from your computer, the closer you get to clarity. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes a lot of people, they'll just sort of, ah, I just need to get in it. I'm just going to get in the zone on my laptop. And I, I found that that is a pretty useless methodology for leadership. I actually find that <laughs> getting away from the computer is the fastest way to getting, uh, getting the clarity that you need. Yeah. And it seems like a lot more people are adopting that with the uh, mindfulness and meditation and, and, you know, yeah, just removing yourself from the chaos of all the things that we do. Uh, it's kind of like just get rid of the clutter and creativity shows up or, you know, mindfulness shows up. That's great. For sure. Yes. I'm a big fan. Yeah. So I remember when you and I first met, it was what, probably two, three years ago, uh, you had hired Melissa on my team to, you know, assist in your blowing, your business was on fire. You needed to hire tons of people. You needed to grow your space. And so we helped you uh, locate some, some new office space. What, can you talk to what was driving uh, that growth? Like, what, you know, you're a new company um, in an industry that's been around a while, but you were doing something differently and it was working. Like what you talked to the, the process you guys had or the juice that you had created to cause that. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think, any entrepreneur that tells you that they're on fire and growing really fast, there's always a, a plus side and a negative side to that. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. So the plus side was we were really finding our footing in terms of being able to offer a truly one size fits all solution to large corporations in terms of scaling their video operations. So video production for many, many years has been very centralized on creating television ads, creating ads that go on uh, big screens or, you know, appear in stadiums and things like that. And our company really had this very narrow focus of my dear exclusively creates ads for social and online channels. And by being so focused in that way, we really were able to create an opportunity for both ourselves and our clients to be more successful in that space. And that's one of my biggest lessons for folks is don't try to be everything to everyone. Don't try to be everywhere all the time. Find the place where you think there's opportunity and you're uniquely suited to capture that opportunity and focus on that that crosshairs. And that is really why we were growing. We were, and we, and the company still is, you know, creating incredible social content and incredible ads for brands as big as US Bank and Facebook and as small as local companies. And so we really knew that that was a need and that was a need that was going to continue to grow and honestly continues to be a prevalent need and is why I think the company has been so successful for so long. But the the downside of all that crazy growth, right, is it becomes really easy to lose your focus. It becomes really easy. I always say, don't fall for your own ego's tricks. You know, your yeah. ego will say, "Wow, we're we're so we're so hot, we're so great, we're the best, and we can, we should try all these other things." And one of the mis mistakes that we made at that time was we started thinking, "Well, we're going to build all these ancillary services. We're going to build all these you know distribution services and ad services," and ultimately. Uh, it was looking for that space with Melissa that made me realize and actually choosing the space and, and working on the process of building our new space that I realized that, oh my God, 
what I'm trying to do here is actually in misalignment with where our growth should be taking us. And what I actually need to do is focus my ear on what it's best at, which is these highly bespoke campaigns that go online. And I need to think about anything else that I'm trying to do as a new business or a new opportunity. And that's mm-hmm. really where the entire process of being an entrepreneur, I think is, is I hear so often, and it doesn't really matter who I hear it from. It's, it's always hard to hear it. It's like, you need to focus, stay focused. <laughs> when you're an inspired person and you're an entrepreneurial person, it's hard to stay focused. It's a it real really discipline. Is, yeah. yeah, it's such a discipline to say, I'm just not going to do all these uh, extra extra details, extra things, extra ideas, you know, whatever comes up. And I've had to create kind of guardrails for my own sense of focus. And those guardrails for me are, does this serve my team? Does it serve the clients and does it serve our ultimate vision of, of being the best at the one thing that we are doing in the world? And if it's not serving those three things, then it's not for us. And that's okay. It might be a different business. It might be a different opportunity or it might be for a different time. And that's really helped me to create sort of artificial focus in my life at this point now. Yeah, that is great, great advice. And just for my sake and the listener's sake, when you say creating content uh, for social and online, you're you're talking specifically in the video production realm, right? Yeah. So when you're on your phone and you're scrolling through Instagram and you see an ad, we produce things like that. When you're on YouTube and you get pre-roll, we produce things like that. So it's anything okay. that is truly existing exclusively on the internet. Gotcha. Okay. So then I assume... Uh, that one of your ideas, all these ideas that you have to like, oh, let's do this and do that and add this service. Uh, one of those had to have been what is now Suna. Is that accurate? <laughs> that is exactly right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the two, I mean, this is your your second company that that has. Did you found that in? Did that officially start January of nineteen? I officially founded it. I actually co-founded it with uh, one of my teammates from Mightier. This is one of the magic things about starting a business is that you accumulate these family members through the force of colleague uh, colleague relationships. Yeah. And Haley had worked for me. I had hired her in 2016 to help me build our animation department at Mightier. And oh, she wow. was just so successful at building the animation department, had helped me forge an entirely new line of business at the company and was still in alignment, of course, with serving those guardrails I talked about earlier. And we had gone on a trip together to Joshua Tree uh, in January of 2018. And we just started talking about, you know, what, what is the future of content creation? Because really, My Dear was so successful and is so successful because we identified something that was going to be a future need and a future state of the industry. And so we said, okay, great. We're really, we're really loving this. We're really owning this, but what's the next thing going to be? And it was actually a year long process of ideating, talking about it, thinking through it, where we realized in about October of 2018, oh my God, there's going to be a brand that owns the fast and affordable version of what we're doing. And that needs to be its own company. And so uh, you know, because think of it this way, uh, imagine if you, you have a company that sells something for $20,000, like a a car dealership selling a car that's $20,000, but then they're also trying to sell you hot wheels for $12. It's, (laughs) it's an incongruous 
business strategy. It doesn't make a lot of sense to the end consumer. And it makes it really difficult actually to market each set of services effectively and sell each set of services effectively. And so what we thought was, okay, this is the singular focus of this other brand is to create fast, casual content, the fast, affordable, efficient version of it. It's not going to be totally bespoke. It's not going to be in any place you want us to go. It's not going to be drones, but it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be affordable and it's going to meet the needs of a lot of other businesses who can't afford that other piece. And so that was really where we created another set of of structures. And yeah, we were extremely fortunate and honored to be asked to be part of the Techstars Boulder 2019 class. And at that point, it became very clear, oh boy, we better found uh, formally a second business here so that we can actually run with it and grow it. Yeah. Um, that you just brought up something that I have been super curious about because uh, I'm kind of faced with it myself right now. While you're running Mightier and mm-hmm. growing that company, you actually got involved with Techstars for Suna, which I know is is a 90 day. I mean, you're you put a lot of hours in. You're working very hard. You're putting a lot of energy toward that. How did you manage both at the same time? Yeah, you know, I didn't do it well. Um, I think that was one of my big lessons. I was really fortunate, I think. So one of the things that I really have learned and one of my big weak spots for a really long time has been this whole idea that I'm the best at the thing, right? So when you start a business, you usually start it because you're the best at a specific task. So I was an incredible editor. I was an Emmy award-winning television editor. I was extremely great at that, oh, wow. at that field. And so I used that knowledge and I used a lot of my innovation in that space to apply it to editing for social channels and editing for the web, right? And that made me the best at what I did. But in that year prior to getting into Techstars and really all this momentum happening for Suna, I realized I need to put a lot of intention behind making other people around me better. They need to be better than me. And what happened then was I made people better at the editing than me. I made people better at predicting the trends than me. I had a lot of people shadow me in sales calls and sales conversations and pitch meetings so that they could hear me pitch the business. And by, you know, this time last year, my whole goal was to be able to let Mightier run without me that I would build such a strong group of leaders inside my company that they could run it without me. And because otherwise I was going to get crushed. And so January of last year, this, this became very clear to me. It was like, I'm not going to be able to do both. I'm going to need to make a decision. I'm going to need to empower the people inside of my organization to become the leaders of this organization. And um, that was the best decision I ever made. I hired uh, a person to run uh, the office, just sort of run it from a business perspective. And then I hired an executive producer uh, named Kate, who really runs how we run the team so that I don't have to be there day to day. I don't have to be part of the operations. And at this point, you know, I really see my my role in the company as being an active voice of the power of video and the power of creating content, but I don't have an active role in the actual work that's being created. And that was a necessary step and a painful step and something that was emotionally very challenging for me because I had such an attachment to it, but was incredibly valuable so that now with Suna growing at the pace that it is, I have the time, the energy, and the space 
to be there for the organization. Right. Yeah. I, um, I was at a, I was at a discuss, like a dinner event recently where they were talking about, uh, there were several different panelists talking about, you know, how do, the, how do you maximize the value of a company, whether to just, you know, purely simply do that or to exit or to raise capital or whatever the purpose would be for. And, um, uh, Shina Culverson with Quist Valuation was speaking. She's one of the panelists. I don't know if you know her, but awesome female entrepreneur in town as well. She said, what are the, uh, of these three things that you can do, what do you think increases the value of a company more? One was to increase revenue. The other one was to increase profitability. And then the other one was to remove the, uh, the need for a key person, AKA mm -hmm. say you with Mightier. And she ran through all the numbers and the metrics. And by far the, the, the correct answer was to remove that key, the need for that key person. Uh, and that's exactly what it sounds like you did with the mighty, or you, you basically created a system that can operate outside of yourself for you up to kind of create Suna or do whatever else. And you're, what that has now turned into is just, you're a complete thought leader in the entrepreneurial community and the business community here in Colorado. And I'm sure other markets as well. hundred percent. I mean, it's, in, it's incredibly important. And I think it really is. I mean, I, I talk a lot about the importance of checking your ego as an entrepreneur. And I don't know if that's because I grew up in the Midwest or if it's because it's just been every, every mistake I've ever made. It's been assuming that I'm more important than I am or, <laughs> giving myself more credit than I deserve. Yeah. And, you know, every single time I've had that realization of, you know what? Yeah, you were a great editor and you are still a great editor. But in fact, other people could be better than you if you shared your knowledge with them and if you created room and freedom for them to flourish and grow. And by the way, that now makes room for you to be a different kind of leader and a different kind of person. And yeah. I now have on my block, on my calendar every week, four hours of mentorship time that anyone between my two companies can just schedule a 30 minute meeting with me to talk about whatever they want. It could be, Hey, I'm trying to learn a new skill in script writing, or Hey, I'm trying to learn how to be a better networker. And being able to free up my time to be that kind of leader has one made me a happier person and two allowed me to actually create room and opportunity for others to flourish and grow inside my company, which then makes the company more successful. And so right. checking your ego is, is everything. That's incredible. I love that. So you're, you're really in the business of, uh, you're not in the business of video production. You're in the business of creating leaders. <laughs> It really is true. I mean, That's think awesome. about think about how many great companies, and even with Suna, I mean, it's so funny. People will walk into our Suna. We have Suna storefronts in Denver and in Minneapolis, and people will walk into the Suna store, and they'll say, is Liz here? And almost always they go, no, Liz isn't here, but hi, I'm Megan, or hi, I'm Lauren, or whoever's at, at, in the studio on that given day. And each one of those people is actually a far more fun, interesting, and talented person to meet than me. <laughs> and so it's, that's, that's a, that's a victory as far as I'm concerned is that, you know, people get the opportunity to meet these incredible talents and people who have so much more to offer because I've been able to cultivate this amazing uh, set of creative talent. Yeah, I would, I would say certainly in my experience, and I think for a lot of the listeners of this show, 
the, that is the one biggest challenge of an entrepreneur is to how do I grow something beyond myself? How do I hand this off in a seamless way so that I can, you know, new, new client comes in, um, they're hiring the company, not the individual behind the company. That's, uh, one of the hardest things that I'm aware of to do. And, uh, that's great, uh, to hear how you did it. I mean, it's, uh, it gives me some ideas with my company. So it's great. I appreciate your sharing. Nothing else more than just forcing yourself to not be around so much. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this, um, the stay at home policy that we all have in place right it's now. It's really helping, it's isn't it? Easier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and your advice too, about, uh, I think everyone's going through the conversation right now about how, what do I need to change in my company to, um, be more sustainable or how do I, use this opportunity to pivot and operate more efficiently or effectively or whatever and keeping the focus and maybe some of these other ideas spin out to something else is, uh, is pretty key as well. percent. Uh, yeah. Cause that focus is uh, one of the hardest things to also do. So what, um, what do you got, what do you um, do outside of uh, work? I mean, you seems like you work so many hours throughout the day. <laughs> What do you stay busy with outside of business operation hours? That's a, these are great questions um, because I think I've had to learn. I, I candidly, I've had to learn how to have interests and passions outside of my work uh, a lot in the last year. And I think it's actually been helping me a lot since we've been in, in shelter in place orders. Cause I don't feel quite so anxious about productivity as yeah. I maybe would have a year ago. So one of the things I did that I think uh, has been great for me is I hired a Spanish tutor who comes and speaks Spanish with me for two hours a week. And we are actively working on getting me to fluency in Spanish. And that has been an incredible experience in and of itself. It was a, it was sort of started as like, I need a new hobby. And so let me pick something that is going to take a while. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, uh, I chose learning, uh, becoming fluent in Spanish, but honestly, it's been such an incredible experience from a learning to question my assumptions and also, you know, learning how hard being articulate and clear really is when you're trying to learn a second language. It's given me a lot more compassion I think for folks who really struggle with, with communicating what they want or what they need. And so that's been huge. Mm. And then another thing that I've, I've started to do, which is sort of a, a bizarre side <laughs> hobby is I've become really, really interested in uh, finding and restoring uh, vintage art of female painters and, and sketch artists and folks, creators who are maybe underappreciated for, uh, for literally millennia, but I spent a lot of time scouring uh, thrift stores and garage sales and eBay looking for works that I think uh, if they were given some love could be appreciated. And I think that's something that has been really inspiring for me in part because it feels so in line with my own creative spirit. So yeah, yeah it's a weird one, but it's a fun one. That's no, really cool though. It's like, uh, do you, do you collect or do you uh, then give as gifts or I do. I collect. It's probably uh, I collect and then I try to give it away when I when I can or we try to use it in the studio or I will, uh, you know, give it to a friend. It's interesting. I went to Barcelona last year 
really on a hunting mission to to identify some more female artists out there. And I came back with so much art, it was ridiculous. Uh, my husband was going to kill me because he was like, we cannot keep all of this. And right. so I slowly have given it away uh, to different people and kept a few small pieces for myself. But it's it's an incredible hobby and it's something that it lets, allows you to see creativity in everything, which is so uh, inspiring for me. That's great. That's great. Yeah, well, I appreciate your, uh, your time today. Um, how best, um, actually, before I go there, what, talk, can you give a glimpse of, I'm going to ask you how best to contact you for Mightier and for Suna, but really quickly, can you give a you know, quick um, paint a picture of the customer, the perfect customer of each of those? Oh, well, that's so kind of you. So if you're looking for a totally custom production that allows you to have everything from a script written for you to having wonderful locations in the mountains or anywhere on the globe chosen for you to hiring your own actors and actresses to having massive 4K camera crews come out and shoot your productions so that you can create a highly polished and perfect video for your for your ads online, you're going to want Mightier. And so you can go to mightier.com or you can email us at hello at mightier.com and we'll get you set up with a, a custom quote on that. If you're spelled, looking for... Uh, sorry, that's spelled... The Mighty Meteor. Yeah. yeah. Mighty, mighty Meteor. So, yeah, exactly. so mighty, M-I-G-H-T-E-O-R.com. <clears throat> then Suna is our fast casual content solution. So if you need a really quick new headshot or you want to get some beautiful product photography or you're thinking about having a customer do a really quick testimonial video for your brand, you can make an appointment at suna.co. Photos are $39 each. Video clips are $93 each. And it's a quick come in, come out, have a great visit uh, experience. And now in these work from home times, we are doing work from home photo shoots where people can send their product to us and you can attend your shoot virtually online. And it's a pretty incredible experience to see each one of your photo and video clips captured online for your product company. So definitely check us out. That's at Suna, S-O-O-N-A.co.